This year's Mumbrella 360 lineup is out now. Join the industry's best to learn, network, and connect face-to-face again, and you will walk away with the ideas, insights, and inspiration to get on top of your marketing strategy for the year ahead. Check out the full conference schedule at www.mumbrella.com.au forward slash Mumbrella360 and make sure to grab your early bird tickets before this Friday 6th of May. Book in early to save big. Hello and welcome back to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Callum Jaspin. Today, you'll hear about how a brand transitions its marketing between two creative agencies after a hefty and award-winning tenure. NAB's head of brand, Faisal Ben Abdelaziz, joins the podcast. You'll also hear a breakdown of financial performance across the media and marketing industry in the midst of reporting season. And finally, we hosted him earlier this year to talk about the agency's rebrand, and now we welcome back Chep Network's Justin Hine to talk clients, the industry's direction, and how Chep will continue to compete. Joining me today, editor Andrew Banks. Welcome, Banksy. Hey, Callum. And regular correspondent, Trinity P3's Darren Woolley. Hi, Callum. The past couple of weeks have seen some of Australia's media companies, global tech platforms and advertising groups post their Q1 results for 2022. There's a lot to go through and still more to come, but Dan, initially looking at some of these big uh, holding groups, IPG, Omnicom, WPP, Publicis and more, who have reported so far, um, we're seeing organic growth across the board, but it's not always the same story with the revenues uh, there was a lot of optimism last year. Uh, is that so much the case now? Look, uh, what we're seeing is all everyone in advertising is riding a wave, the post-COVID pandemic wave of uh, ad spend. And uh, I think we've seen that across the board, not just the holding companies, but the media owners are all uh, up in revenue. Um, as you say, some of that's organic, but uh, beyond that, uh, there's also growth health elsewhere. And, you know, we, we see this this growth and this revenue up, but one number that uh, maybe sometimes is a bit more difficult to come across is the, the actual profits. Are we seeing profits still rising? Well, it's interesting because then focusing on their revenue growth, and yet especially for the agencies and the holding companies, we're hearing so much about the cost of retaining and attracting talent, which must be having an impact. The, the way that they're uh, complaining about the, the rising cost of talent, uh, it would be good to see if that is having an impact on their um, their bottom line. Maybe it's a case of um, less talent but higher paid. So uh, I guess that'll be one to watch out for the coming year. Well, especially, you know, because the other thing is not every market's completely come out of some of the uh, restrictions that the pandemic uh, imp- uh, impacted. And so, you know, when you start thinking about uh, the talent, uh, the people in agencies, you know, and the fact that burnout and uh, fatigue is a, a big issue, I hope they're not maximising their profits by continuing to do what they, they've traditionally done, which is overwork and underpay. You know, if they are paying these increased salaries that they keep uh, reporting, to their clients, then you know it is going to have an impact. Well, and you'd expect at some point that's about to crash as well, because you, 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 I guess, 
potentially overpay people initially. They can't work to that standard or they'll get burnout or trying to reach that standard and at some point will burst. Banksy, you were going to add something there. Yeah, I was just following up from what Darren was just saying too. I mean, we have to look at not just the period of COVID, but also the, the issues that we're still facing through COVID. I mean, we've got a, an economy that's about to go a bit nuts. We have still supply chain problems that exist that in, existed through COVID that we still have today and they're going to continue. Um, there's the war in Europe and then also the, the shutdowns in China that continue. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going on that continue um, even after COVID, uh, the sort of dark days, I would say. Yeah, Banksy, I think you're right, you know, that there are uh, storm clouds ahead. But what we're seeing in this reporting is really the flow-on effect of every major Western democracy pumping huge amounts of cash into their economies during uh, the, the pandemic as a way to keep them afloat. You know, now suddenly uh, when the consumer's back buying because they're getting out and about, that money is now flowing on into advertising and onto media owners. And it'll be interesting to see how long it's sustained. You know, when we're seeing numbers like uh, 6 to 9% of uh, growth in uh, media volumes and, and uh, expenditure, that's, you know, pretty, pretty big numbers. And that's everywhere. I mean, you know, whether it's the US, Australia, UK, you know, we're seeing that around the world, but can it be sustained? Or is it really just sucking out the money that was pumped in by all the governments? Yeah, and we're, we're seeing those numbers across the board. You know, you mentioned there we have um, ad revenue up for Amazon, despite overall losses for Facebook, Google posting big results. Locally today, we had the two bigger TV networks, nine and seven, saying that they're projecting TV revenue growth um, this year and across the, the financial year. Can we, is it sustainable? Well, look, yeah, as, as Banksy highlighted, there are so many unknowns. You know, we're seeing inflation in all those markets because that sudden rush of cash is drive, driving up prices. Then the uh, supply chain difficulties, people are still demanding, but supply, you know, it's the old supply and demand story. But uh, I think, you know, if we start to see interest rates rises, as we saw in uh, Australia earlier this week, you know, that's going to have a big dent on consumer confidence. And as we know, um, many advertising organisations, when they see consumer confidence plummet, will start to, to pull back on their marketing expenditure. And that'll be interesting because this could be only a shortfall win for both the, uh, the media and the agencies. And just following on from that too, the Forrester forecast says that the global marketing spend is expected to grow 7%. Um, interestingly, Australia is only at 3.2%. So it's it's actually quite low compared to your big countries. Like they list China, India, Spain, South Korea, and the US as the big uh, marketing spenders. Uh, it's interesting to see that Australia is, is quite low down on that list. And Banksy, um. You know, revenues were up, but the market didn't respond as well to some of the tech companies. You were looking at that one? Yeah. I mean, it, it's been pretty bad, particularly for Netflix. Um, I was reading a uh, a post by Chris Walton 
he pointed out that Netflix had lost 70% of its value this year. Spotify's hit an all-time low. Meta's pulling back on its investments. These are some of the key uh, issues at the moment. What I find fascinating is there's talk about the streaming market being saturated, but yet Paramount goes and posts a massive subscriber base. Interestingly, we've got the seven and uh, nine figures saying that the free-to-wear number numbers are going to grow this year. So it seems to me that people are just kind of moving their money and their their eyeballs around to different things. They're, tr- they're realizing that things are working in certain areas. They're seeing what's out there. They're seeing what they can get for for value. And, and certainly um, these different markets are, are increasing because of it. Yeah, I think what we're seeing in the streaming area is it's become so hyper-competitive. And, you know, the streaming services that are attached to a studio or at least, you know, major production have this back catalogue and and a stream of content coming through. For free-to-air television and some of those streaming services that do not necessarily have that infrastructure that are out there competing to buy content, it's going to become really hard because the price of content is going to go up. And how many uh, ex-executives of some of the big TV networks have we seen go and set up a production company in the last 12 months? Because they can see that uh, well as well that uh, content is going to become incredibly valuable with the number of streaming services. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some uh, rationalisation in the next you know, two to three years, and I know that's a long time, but you know, Netflix, uh, I think one of the big impacts on their uh, uh, share price was the idea of actually having to rely on advertising because that could incredibly impact their subscriber service. We've already heard that subscribers are saying, well, if you put on ads, we want much lower fees. Yeah, I think you can expect that. And, you, uh, I mean, you know, more space for brands to spend in is always a good thing though, right? Um, if you do want to go back and listen to that interview, we, uh, Darren, you referenced there a few former TV network bosses. We had um, Hugh Marks and Carl Fennessy on the podcast a few weeks ago. So just uh, jump back on the back catalogue and you can find that there. And just, yeah, just to finish up, Cal, um, News Corp results are out this week. Um, they are expecting an uptick. Um, it's been, I think they've recorded an 11% decline over the last six months. Uh, and I think that they are forecasting to be, uh, well, Forbes is forecasting revenues of $10.4 billion for the fiscal year, which would be up 11% year on year. And I think with them bringing in this new CDP, it's a huge data play for them. And it promises, I guess, to help advertisers as we move forward in a cookie-less world. Yeah, this is going to be the the future, isn't it? Uh, Each of the media owners are going to be competing for advertising dollars based on how granular they can actually deliver audiences. And yet at the same time, you know, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, some of the advertisers are not particularly happy with the uh, user experience at the same time. So it'll be interesting whether data actually beats user experience. Yeah, that one's been uh, very well documented and uh, I think a few people enjoyed that one there, Darren. Coming up next, NAB's Faisal Ben Abdulaziz on the relaunch of More Than Money. NAB's head of group brand Faisal Ben Abdulaziz, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So uh, last year, around um, mid-year, 
NAB appointed TBWA as its new creative agency of record uh, after a pretty pretty lengthy stint with Clemenger Melbourne. Um, after being with a client for such an extensive period with the relationship that's produced, I guess, in that time, quite a few sort of iconic pieces of work, how does that tr- transition sort of go uh, in, in terms of moving over to a new agency as you have done with TBWA? Yeah, and uh, I think as you mentioned, you know, we came off of a, a highly successful and you know strong long-term partnership uh, with Clementer in you know, close to fifteen years. Uh, you know, so transitioning to an agency like TBWA, uh, you know, expectations were always going to be high. Uh, you know, at NAB, you know, we know our brand well. Uh, we understand the power of great ideas and creativity. Uh, so what we were expecting and have experienced with TBWA really uh, is another safe pair of hands. Uh, you know, group of uh, uh, highly engaged, inquisitive, uh, curious, creative, uh, disciplined, and, and, and disruptive thinkers. Uh, we're also natural collabor- collaborators. So, um, you know, there's a high degree of energy enthusiasm for what we do and what we can be doing together. Uh, so that's infectious and, of course, makes for great, fresh, new, and disruptive work. Uh, we've been able to establish a, a solid relationship in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, you know, so I can only imagine that will get stronger over time. Uh, you know, so, and it's also great to have a fresh set of eyes across our business and our work as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of two of the words you used there, one of them being disruptive and the other sort of being described as a bit of a safe pair of hands, sort mm-hmm. of maybe yes. contrast each other a little bit. <laughs> the The new yeah. um, TVC, which came out, it will, it'll be uh, Monday. We're speaking on Friday, the 29th just mm-hmm. now. Um, the, the new piece of work is, you know, it's very different to some of the work NAB has produced uh, previously, it's kind of going large, sort of. Um, uh, seems like it's quite kind of uh, high budget, big investment in this piece of um, creative work, which I thought was was a really impressive um, piece of work. What was the sort of brief and direction that you wanted to give uh, TBWA? Mm. Um, I, I, I think the we, we obviously we take a similar approach to uh, all our new brand campaign work, um, but in this instance, you, you know, we wanted a, a brand creative platform uh, that was bold, uh, brave, uh, showcase our human side, uh, but importantly also brought our expertise to the fore, uh, like we haven't done before. Uh, it needed to be a, a reflection who uh, on who we are as a business, and also where we're going with our brand and business strategy. Uh, you know, we wanted to go big, absolutely. Uh, but it was also because of, uh, you know, the, we wanted to create a platform to really highlight uh, the partnership between our customers uh, and our NAB bankers and experts, you know, uh, showing that we will go above and beyond to support consumers in their life and money moments, uh, you know, be that buying a car, chasing down a dream home or supporting a new business or growing a business. Uh, I think we hadn't really in past in our communications um, brought to the fore uh, and highlighted those shared banking interactions where uh, not just our customers play the leading role, but also our people. Uh, and so here as part of our Twin Peaks strategy, it was really uh, uh, highlighting and bringing up both our customers uh, and our people and showcasing those shared banking interactions. You know, what we've always been good at at NAB is, is tapping into uh, cultural moments and insights, you know, the cultural zeitgeist. And I think this is one of those moments, you know, we knew we had something special on our hands and uh, timing was right for a shift in focus from a creative
creative perspective, uh, what is money for was an incredibly successful platform for us and was right for its moment in time through the pandemic. So now it was time for something fresh and enduring and exciting, uh, which allowed us to stretch across the organization and at the same time highlight some of the things we're great at in a lighter way. Uh, you know, i.e. the relationship building side, but also, you know, how we provide simple, fast and digital solutions. Yeah. And, and a part of this sort of um, new chapter, you've also had a, a sort of um, refreshed brand identity via principles, mm. um, expanding yeah. the size of that iconic star. Uh, what was the sort of thinking <laughs> behind that? And I, I guess where, where does that lead you in terms of that new brand identity? Mm, yeah, so first was, was twofold. So to, to your point, uh, you know, one side was the, uh, brand positioning, uh, and then, uh, the other one, the brand identity. Uh, and for us, uh, apart from it, the opportunity to breathe new life into this creatively and how we show up to market, uh, we also took the opportunity to evolve the, our brand identity, you know, to feel, uh, to make it, uh, feel more energized, dynamic, uh, modern, uh, you know, and simplified and, and digitally fit. Uh, and then double down on our most distinctive brand codes, um, you know, while enforcing consistency and application across the organization. Uh, we have an identity system that uh, still allows us to flex around creative ideas whilst maintaining our distinctiveness. Uh, you know, we've built, at NAB, we've always been good uh, by the governance side of our brand and we understand how strong and distinctive brand codes you know ensure recognition and attribution uh, maintain and build brand salience and help trigger brand associations so an important part of the equation so it was felt only right uh, at this time to also uh, review our brand codes uh, be very clear about what they are utilizing frameworks like uh, you know the incredible thinking of Jenny Romagnac and others uh, around fame and uniqueness of your brand codes uh, grabbing some of those br uh, brand codes and and, and uh, wanting to make them even more famous and unique, you know, and one of those uh, uh, is our iconic logo, our star. Um, as part of this evolution and launch, we also took the opportunity uh, to, well, something that's been a long time in the making, to launch our audio-visual mnemonic signature, uh, you know, distinctive sound and visual, uh, which is at the end of this ad yeah. as well. And, you know, we are nine months on from that appointment and uh, mm. hopefully, as some would, um, I guess, put it, beyond COVID. Uh, <laughs> what, what was it about the timing now that you thought was the right time to go live with, um, I guess, this marketing revamp? And also, does the yeah. work, do you think, reflect a developing consumer expectation post-COVID? Mm. Yeah, I mean, through the through the pandemic, we saw financial com confidence drop significantly. You know, through our own data as well as other sources out there, such as Australia now and others. Uh, and whilst we've seen a recovery, you know, two years on, there's still anxiety present around money. Uh, you know why, and which is why it's so important, to, you know, to develop and maintain relationships with our consumers, uh, to understand the real issues sitting behind consumers' money, uh, and how we can then both, uh, help support them to feel confident and in, in control of money. I think. You you know, where we are at now, um, I have to say consumer expectations, uh, firstly, th throughout the pandemic, consumer expectations have shifted in terms of, you know, needing to be able to access you, your products and services in a way that suits them 
uh, in their life and money moments. Uh, it must feel human and personal, uh, even if there isn't a human in front of you. Uh, and importantly, a digital experience must be simple, personal, and fast. Uh, but now we've accelerated the digital experience for our customers, which you know we were forced to do, of course, uh, during the pandemic as well, and have invested heavily in our people, you know, the career qualifications in banking and others. Uh, during the pandemic, we wanted to ensure, you know, we set the right tone in our communications and what is money for was perfect for that time, uh, you know, one of support for our customers. But at this moment of time uh, in the world, we're seeing the green shoots of growth. Uh, so we also wanted this campaign to reflect a hope and optimism, if you will. Uh, and that yeah. is, I think, what we've tried to do uh, here. Um, and, ju- and just finally, Faisal, um, some of the work that uh, Cleminger produced, which was, I guess, most recognizable with NAB, was that partnership with the AFL. Can we expect something um, coming in that department? Obviously, just started the AFL season. Are we going to see some work kind of continuing on that same vein? Uh, absolutely. It's probably the short answer, but, you know, uh, the aim of creating this Marvel-esque universe is really to tap into the drama that's become a daily reality in, in, in this ever-changing world. Uh, so in this instance, of course, you're seeing a house run away from home buyers in a business experiencing rapid growth, but that's, you know, the heightened reality. Uh, so for us, uh, you know, how do you take this universe or this creative platform, if you will, and, and make sure uh, that you can uh, that you can maintain uh, you know, this fresh and disruptive uh, way we're re-entering the category with this impactful execution and how can you then pull it through to all your other work? Uh, you know, Mini Legends, uh, from an AFL perspective, has, has been uh, iconic for us. Uh, and of course, that work will continue. Uh, but I do believe that now, with this creative platform, you'll see it stretch across everything um, we do at the heart of it, of course, is all about, you know, the human understanding and empathy and expertise, and that will show up in different ways, uh, for the different executions, uh, in market, including the, uh, our work with the AFL. This year, of course, is also an important year for us. It marks our 20 year partnership with the AFL as well. Uh, well, Faisal, I can't wait to see, um, what comes next out of that, uh, that partnership and, uh, NAB's creative work more generally. So, um, appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Up next, Chip Network's Justin Hine returns to the Mumbrella cast. Uh, Justin Hine, welcome back to the Mumbrella cast for the second time this year. Thanks, Callum. It's, uh, it's lovely to be back. So we, we chatted around three months ago, uh, just after you'd officially rebranded to Chip Network. Um, with a little bit of time in between now, generally, how, how do you think that's gone and how's it been received? Well, I think it's been received really well. Uh, it's been received really well internally. It's given the team, you know, I spoke last time about it's given us something to rally around and to understand, and it's given the team a, a central purpose. Um, so I think that's been really good. It's very clear about CHEP's mission in the market and what we offer to clients. I also think it's been really well received by the market. Um, you know, we've had some success come off the back of it. We've got a, um, a great new business pipeline we're currently working through. So still early days, but um, I think our positioning of new economy creativity is is being well received. Couldn't be happier at this point. Yeah, and we, we reported um, a few weeks ago on um, winning the creative account for Officeworks, a really solid 
pick up there. Do you, do you, do you see this as, um, I guess, proof that it is working and sort of the hard work is paying off and the market is, is recognising that? Yeah, I think, you know, um, winning office works that we're very proud of um, is testimony to um, the direction that we're heading in. A big vote of confidence in CHEP and the CHEP team and probably more the CHEP team in Melbourne, which is where it'll be based. Um, so, you know, that's a, that, that's a great tick uh, against our new positioning. Uh, and we've got a possibly the biggest pipeline I've seen since we've been here. Um, and a range of clients, new economy clients, retail clients, brand clients, uh, a lot of clients really wanting to look at how they change the shape of um, what they do in the market. So, again, you know, we're a couple of months in, but uh, early stage is the proof's in the pudding and we're yeah. just going to continue to work through um, the opportunity and, as it presents itself. And on that... Um that that office works account specifically a lot of people have commended AJF for the work that they created over those nine years what what do you sort of hope to get out of that relationship uh in terms of you know will you be looking to reposition the brand a little bit in its creative work or sort of build off the back of that well we look at the aspiration of office works um and they're aggressive about the future uh they've come to us um to help them change and scale the company, I would say, um, at a more rapid rate. Uh, so, you know, looking at it, I think, um, you know, the task we've got ahead with them is is to part, is a partner for growth uh, and our team's head down, bum up on looking at scope yeah. and engaging when, uh, when we formally kick off that relationship um, in a month or so. You've obviously got this myriad of capability offerings within um, CHEP and, you know, with a client like Officeworks coming in creatively. Um, when you're approaching, I guess, new business, are you looking to sort of engage clients on more than one of your sort of um, spokes or offerings? I remember um, on an interview with uh, Thinkerbell's Margie Reed and Adam Ferrier last year, they provided a statistic which was something like 50% or more of their clients uh, engage in more than one of their service, service offerings. Is that a, a sort of aim at CHEP? Yeah, look, definitely. Uh, I think the last time that we we ran the numbers, more than 60% of our clients engage on more than two of our service offerings. Yeah. And that's, we've got a, we've got a focus to increase that. Um, you know, a lot of it's about making it, easier for a client to navigate all the different services. It's about taking um, or it's about simplifying um, how they go to market. So, yes, it's definitely part of our plan to to continue the march on um, selling more services to more clients, giving them um, more simplification, uh, both operationally and at the same time trying to save them money. You've, you've sort of been compared to some of the consultancy offerings at, at times now, um, we've got, you know, Accenture Interactive rebranding to Accenture Song and Deloitte Digital and, you know, some of the other ones thrown in there trying to sort of maybe do the same and give something clear to clients. Do you see um, CHEP maybe competing with, or, well, I'll reword that. Do you see these consultancies as competitors for CHEP? And uh, I guess are you moving into a space where no other single kind of traditional ad agency really can right now? 
Um, so we definitely come up against the consultancies on different ranges and scopes of work. Um, and I think that's just the reshaping of the industry we're seeing right now. We're seeing the consultancies want to play more in um, the agency space, the data space, the media space. Um, and, you know, I think it's probably most agencies or holding groups aspiration um, to play in a similar space to us. And some of them very, very successfully are. Um, so, you know, I, I think all we know in 2022 and, and into the future is that the, the industry is going to continue to reshape itself around something new. And as long as we're seen as, as being a major player as, as part of that reshaping, then we're, we're very happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you think that CHEP would have to do, I guess, to, to keep up um, or catch up with some of these consultancies? And on the other hand, what would you have to do to, to keep ahead of the rest of the agencies if that was the sort of direction they're uh, looking to head in? Yeah, look, I think there's, there's two ways to answer it. Are they catching up with us or are we catching up with them? And I think the answer's true on, on both ways you ask that question. Um, you know, one of the growth engines of CHEP, just as an example, is CHEP Media and our, our CHEP Media offering. Um, and our ability to look at growth consulting through media that connects to creativity, to technology and data. Um, and the consultancies, uh, in my view, haven't really made a, a concerted push into becoming a media agency, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in that realm, we're probably a little bit ahead in trying to consolidate that full spectrum of um, a solution for a client. On the flip side, um, the consultancies have large and deep specialization in certain verticals uh, and they can spin up very large teams that are very capable at relatively short notice um, so you know it just depends what a client's looking for on, on any given day uh, and you know I, I think it'll continue to be a little bit of an arms race as we move further into you know the end of this year and next year and the year beyond but You've only got to read the headlines. You've only got to read what's going on in Mumbrella to see that there's constant change out there. Yeah. I mean, that is, I guess, one of the the big questions with that ongoing Coles pitch was Accenture Interactive, how are they going to fill out the media space? You know, you have, um, I guess, it must have been about 18 months ago, Chep tied up Samsung's full um, media creative digital account probably the biggest comparable one in the company, one that we kind of spoke about a few weeks ago on the podcast um, as the only, I guess, one in the country which is being serviced by a single offering. How, do, how, how does that, um, that account, how is that managed and what does it take to run an account of, of that size, I guess, out of a single unit? In Samsung? Yeah. Um, look, Samsung is a very large part of our business. There's probably about 70-odd people that have their fingerprints on it at any point in time. That covers everything from, um, you know, a great leadership team under under Johnny Berger uh, and his account management team, a big creative team under Gav. You know, Mike Dean leads media on that. Um, Mark Gretton's team is, you know, does a, a range of great um, technical and digital consulting work. We've got a big... Um, uh, data and marketing BI team that help us make decisions in and around that. Um, we run that almost like an agency within an agency, even though yeah. we haven't carved out to be, 
to be part of um, or to be separate to the main agency. Um, I think it requires a large focus from us internally to making that successful every single day. Uh, and on the flip side, you know, um, the Samsung team, we work hand in hand with across all of their different divisions and they work very hard um, in a, what I think is a true partnership. So a big partnership, a big, a big dedication from CHEP, a big partnership um, with a one-team view from Samsung um, and a respect for all disciplines that they come together to solve a single problem yeah, um, and I think that's that's where the real success of that relationship um, uh, has come together. And you know, this new positioning for chat, the, for the kind of forward-thinking new age economy, you would probably point to that as the biggest example of how you are kind of delivering that for clients. Do you think this is potentially a direction that we'll see more of those big brands going in future? Look, I think so. Um, you know, as clients demand more from their marketing investment as they want more of their IP in-house, as they want more of a partner to help um, help them guide the way and build internal capability. I, I definitely think that for very large clients. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, we're working with um, some, we'll call them new economy brands that have grown up in the last couple of years, runaway successes, and they're looking to emulate something very similar, obviously not at the same, the same size, but you know, the ability to understand their business, understand their growth markets, understand media investment, marry that with creativity, you know, build real-time dashboards that they can understand on any given day what the impact of an investment or, or, or a creative um, element, social element, whatever it might be. We're seeing more of that um, being asked for and I'm a big believer in it and I'd just like to see that continue because I think that's yeah. where Chepik fails. And while I've got you here, I'd have to ask, has the, the CHEP model been consulted at all there for that ongoing Coles pitch? Uh, look, we're, we're not in any discussion uh, as CHEP with Coles, um, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Um, so, semi-recently, you also launched the, the commerce division, one of your verticals at CHEP. Um, I've got a quote here from Gavin McLeod uh, describing it. It says, while we've always been in the business of selling our clients products and services, there's a significant shift in how and where business takes place thanks to the proliferation of digital platforms and the MarTech that underpins them. Uh, in that, you've created a specialist team. Um, I'd love you to just, I guess, uh, explain what the sort of thinking in creating this commerce division uh, was and what, what how you're kind of looking to to use that as a new avenue for business? Well, we started, you know, the, the, the original idea came when we were starting to look more and more at a specialisation within within retail or what was retail advertising. We have a range of different clients that have um, pretty heavy retail requirement. Uh, but as we thought uh, more about it and as we expanded out into different channels and different disciplines, um, you know, it was Gab's idea really to think about how we reframe retail into commerce that could work across anything from traditional retail all the way down into to social for it to be data-driven, its interface with media. Um, and we built that team to, you know, to move quickly, to understand all disciplines um, and really bring a, 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 a modern creative element to, um, to commerce. And, you know, Gab's done a great job with that. Kirsty Gavin's done a great job with that. Marianne um, or Mez, uh, Mez Trong, who's um, kind of leading that from a, a production and process point of view. Um, and I, 
I put a lot of the interest in Chep's offering down to um, the interplay that Chep Commerce has um, with our main creative offering. Something that we're that we're really focused on on scaling across more clients. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing. I guess how you expand that to um, some of your clients. Um, you, you know, we spoke about the Officeworks uh, potential for work once you take that on beforehand. You launched a new beauty product with Seven Eleven, um, which was again a really interesting piece of work. Uh, made made some waves online. I believe it was the it was the coffee rub for the price of a Seven Eleven coffee um, for one dollar. Kind of Seven Eleven has really cut itself out as being a brand that likes to push the envelope creatively in the past, you know, through their work with Leo Burnett and so on and so forth. How, how does Chep sort of approach each of its different brand relationships um, and I guess really get out the the solar identity that some of these brands may have created before they came into your, your roster? Yeah, so, I, you know, I think you've just asked a question about, you know, the history of a client, the great interplay with, um, a good planning team, you know, you, you you cite the example with 7-Eleven Coffee Scrub that Glenn Dixon and, and the guys in Melbourne came up with. Um, I, I think that's just come from, you know, a, a deep understanding of the client, a good partnership, respecting um, where they've come from, the creativity that they demand. Uh, and then also looking for how, how do you make waves on something, maybe not with the larger scale budget, so you have to think really, really differently. Um, and you know that 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 brief was really all about demonstrating to people um, that the quality of the coffee was real, and despite some objections that you know maybe people who hadn't been into Seven Eleven um, had about it. Uh, but you know, I, I I just think again, it's it's about a good partnership, it's about persistence, um, and you know the the creative teams here make no apology in asking clients to, to sometimes take that leap of faith into something that's uncharted waters and, you know, coffee scrubs, one of them, and um, we couldn't be happier. The client couldn't be happier. And, um, you know, the, the ability on, on an idea like that to go and create um, the level of earned media is significant. So, um, yeah. yeah, again, it's I, I just put that down to partnership and understanding. I've got a lot of friends who swear by a Seven Eleven coffee. So, uh. <laughs> well, they're real beans. Some people thought it was concentrate. They're real beans, and what better way to demonstrate that than uh, than, than making a coffee scrub from the um, the discarded the discarded. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Justin, you, you're a bit over a year in now. Um, you've revamped the network. Seems things seem to be moving in a pretty solid direction. Let's say you know five, ten, or when years down the line, or whenever you do decide to move on from Chip, where, where would you like to see the agency, or maybe in another way, what, what would you like to have achieved at Chip? Look, I, I think I mean that's a long question. In five or ten years is a long time. Um, look, I'm really happy with where we've evolved the agency to. You know, we've done a lot of work internally. We've focused. We've had a big focus on people. Um, uh, focus and investment uh, on people. You know, we've rebuilt the bench strength of of Chet um, at every level. Uh, I think if we were to, to to think about where we want it to go, um, I'd like to see Chet um, continue to stay at the absolute forefront of creativity, technology, media, 
and data. I, I think that that's absolutely essential for any agency and particularly one that's forward-looking. Um, I'd really like to see us uh, expand geographically. You know, maybe maybe we end up in in other markets, maybe we end up in other cities. Um, you know, it, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be great to think that we just keep um, evolving and growing and helping brands create um, new frontiers for themselves. I think that'd, that'd be wonderful. Um, I don't have a crystal ball as to where and when and how, um, but yeah, I'd, look, I'd, I'd, like, I'd really like for Chep to be thought of as an absolute leader um, in the advertising, marketing, media, digital and technology space. Um, and I'd really love to see us just continue to be a place where people want to want to come and um, start their careers, craft their careers. You know, we have a saying internally, come here to do the best work of your career. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love people to love working here. I'd, I'd love for people to be recognised for what they do here. Um, and I'd, I'd love clients to think of us as, as partners for growth who can help um, in a tangible way. You know, power their businesses and drive them forward. So, if we if we did all of those things, I'd be a very very happy person. Well, Justin, looking forward to seeing how that goes over the coming months and what's going to come out of Chep. So, um, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you, Callum. Absolute pleasure. And that's it for another week on the Mumbrella Cast. Please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and check out mumbrella.com.au for more content and updates. Thanksy, thank you. Thanks, Cal. Nice to talk to you, Darren. Darren, thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Cal. Always a pleasure and good to see you, Banksy. See you next week.